Let's go. What's going on, everybody? And welcome to Bingetown TV. This is Luke here. And today we have a special episode where Kathleen and I had the chance to collaborate with one of our favorite ongoing The 100 podcast called Go Float Yourself. This episode was actually recorded a few months ago and initially dropped on their podcast feed, but we thought it was a great time to drop some new The 100 podcast content for those that may have missed it. The Go Float Yourself duo is hilarious, fun, but most importantly, they know everything there is to know about CW's The 100. They are currently working their way through the entire series front to back, but Kathleen and I were invited to walk through season three, episode five. So please give them a listen if you're craving more of the 100 content. But for now, enjoy our chaotic walkthrough of episode five. Welcome to Go Float Yourself, a podcast about the television show The 100. I am your host, Tim Tellup, and I'm joined, as always, by my co-host... Liz Tellup. Hey, Tim. Hello. And today we have a very special episode because we're joined by two very special guests. Yes. We have with us Kathleen. Hi, guys. Thanks for having me. (laughs) And we also have Luke. What's up? I'm ready to talk The 100. Woo! <laughs> and you guys are both from Binchtown TV podcast. Oh yeah! Woo. Watch out, folks! It's a collab. <laughs> it's a crossover. It's, Shit's it's getting the, weird. It is the faded crossover episode that I know you all have been waiting for. All of you guys <laughs> listen to Binchtown TV. You all listen to Go Float Yourself, and you're just like, when are they gonna meet up? Like, when mm-hmm. are they gonna do an right. episode together? This exactly. is crazy. We've been waiting, and here it is, y'all. People have been waiting for this mixtape. right (laughs) so real quick how are you guys doing let's just check in everybody cool everybody chill what's going on oh cool and chill right i'm ready to go this has it's been such a breath of fresh air listening to your pod and watching the old episodes because i haven't re-binged since season seven came out man it's good to see our young babies yes oh my god i feel exactly the same way it's like uh, looking at all of these the young the young Semi-innocent. Well, I mean, a lot of them have committed war crimes, obviously, but, <laughs> <laughs> but it's Too many nice. To count. Yeah, seriously. It's a simpler time. It's a simpler time. I cannot wait to talk about these characters because we kind of took a little step back after the finale, like Kathleen was just saying. So it's just going to be so good to talk early season three of some of our favorite characters on some of our chintziest, like, best TV show writing out there, you know? Absolutely. (laughs) You know, it's funny because I'm in the same boat. When we started rewatching it, I was like, I had forgotten. I, I, like I've said to Liz before, I remember most of the major plot points, right? As we go through, but a lot of the nitty gritty detail stuff, I totally have like memory holds. So like for me, a lot of it is rediscovering it. And a big part of it was rediscovering how fucking good this season is. Like it is one of the best ones for sure. I will definitely say that after I watched the season seven finale, that was I, I what I did to prepare for season seven was I rewatched everything up to that point. And my second watch through brave of you completely. <laughs> yeah, that's different a big perspective. Commitment. Oh, yeah. It took forever. But I had a completely <laughs> new perspective on pretty much every single season, every single character, every single plot point. And season three definitely popped on the second time around. I the first time in, I don't know how much I really clung to the alley storyline, but second time around, I, I loved it all. Dude, I totally relate to that. I feel like the first time I watched it, I was like, what is this alley stuff? Like, I mean, a lot of it is very silly still. Like, still upon the second rewatch, I'm like, yeah, okay, what's going on here? But teens I do. For teens. I, teens, yeah. <laughs> teens by teens, or whatever you guys say. <laughs> oh, it's four teens by teens. Yeah, four teens <laughs> by teens. Yeah. <laughs> Yes, that is very true. But you're absolutely right, Luke. I literally, I thought the same thing. I'm like, oh, wow, this is actually 
a really interesting storyline. Like it's far fetched, sure, of course, but like it's cool. Like what oh, how yeah. they get into it. Jaha, he he stood out a little bit more for me on the rewatch, and he, you know, yeah. this is kind of where he starts all of his shenanigans in this episode because he's mingling with the main characters and just I don't know. It was just great rewatching. So if you haven't done it before, you gotta do yourself a favor and just yeah. rewatch the show. Great rewatch value, yeah. amazing. Well, they reinvent <laughs> themselves every every season. So yeah. I think. I mean, Mount Weather wasn't too, too far away from season one, but the alley stuff is a complete swap. And I think people were just like, what is happening? But you got to stick with. It's so good. (laughs) Absolutely. And Tim, I know you're I know you're pretty big on the politics of the show. And I think season three does almost the best job in the whole show because we're really focusing on all the grounder stuff. And that's where the politics, in my opinion, shines. Oh my God. Yeah. The politics and also the philosophy, which we'll get into a little bit on this episode. Um, Cause we talk a lot in this specific episode. Hi, hello. We're, we're talking about season three, episode <laughs> oh, five. Oh yeah. Did we even say? <laughs> no, I will though. We are talking about that today, but, and the, the kind of the theme of this particular episode is pain and pain management. And there's a lot of that going on throughout this, through all of our characters. But yeah, we'll get into the philosophy a little bit of that because I have some thoughts. Yeah, and honestly, I can see why, like, so just as a little behind the scenes, Binge Down TV reached out to us, like all of you guys were reaching out to us. I don't know who specifically did, but like, because I know there's so many of you who host the show. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, but- like seven of you? Seven, seven of us, yeah. yeah. That's my thought, mm-hmm. yeah. That's amazing. Yeah, like, so this collab has kind of been in the works and stuff. And so we talked about, like, well, what episode would you guys want to come on? And you guys mentioned this one. And, like, after I watched it, I'm like, oh, I totally understand why you picked this episode. Like, this episode is bananas. I mean, every episode is pretty bananas, but this one... Man, there's so much in here. And let me just say, this is a small spoiler for this specific episode, so nothing that anyone listening hasn't already heard, but one of the sticking points for this episode for me is this might be the biggest heel turn for Bellamy, who up until this point was easily my favorite character. So yeah. I really love all of, you know, just the complete heel turn and the and the submissiveness to Pike and just this entire change in, I would argue, the second main character behind Clark. So I just think that's it's such an important part that defines the rest of his character. That fight scene is like you could have a whole episode just about that fight scene. You could. (laughs) But without further ado, let's get into it. Let's Let's get get into it. it. So we start out. We're on the road again. Lexa and Clark are bringing back the body of the Ice Queen. And it's nice that they adorned her with a bunch of flowers. Mm -hmm. Right. I mean, like. Listen, I know she murdered a shitload of your people, but we want her to, like, look nice when we give you the body. So, like, I get it. Well, sure. And also, they did throw... Lexa did throw a big spear through the middle of her chest. And they gotta... They probably don't want to show that. I mean, they gotta cover that up with some foliage, I guess. Uh, (laughs) If that ain't the best Lexa scene in the whole series, I mean... The queen is dead. Long live the king. I rip my face off. Like, ding so dong, high. bitch. Yes, ding dong. Like, I am I over know. this woman. So Lexa and Clark coming back, right, obviously. And they're talking about how, hey, it's awesome. We finally brought justice for the farm station. And we're finally yes. going to have a lasting peace. And everything is great. Everything Cut. is chill. Ha- everything is happy. <laughs> we finally will have peace. Everything is going to be great. Clark doesn't even know what home is. But Lex is like, girl, you can come live with me. But, like, she doesn't quite say that. But she basically says that. And, like, they're yeah. flirting. Like Big this flirting. Is, this is everything is good, right? And then cut, we go right to the murder squad mm. coming back oh to God. Arcadia. I am so glad you called them the murder squad because I also wrote down the murder squad. 
Well, I mean, what else would you call them? I mean, that's exactly what they done did. They took a bunch of rifles and murdered a bunch of grounders, you know? And what's wild about this scene is like you got everybody's covered in blood and it is not great. But Kane and Abby are standing there. They're watching everybody come back in. And Pike, he goes, shut the gates, gives a whole big spiel. And this whole thing is all about like very colonial, very manifest destiny bullshit on this one, guys, because he's all like, you know, this is our land now. And like the ground is to remember it. And if they resist, they'll be met with force. And if they fight, they'll meet death. And I'm like, well, what's the difference between those two things, you know? But right. Like- <laughs> <laughs> he starts singing, this land is our land. It's oh, my God. Thing. Oh, are we like, do we have the same brain? Like, legitimately, I, I'm not even kidding you. I wrote down in my notes. <laughs> I wrote a little song off of this land is our land. So this land is our land. And only our land, you can't have it, or we will kill you. Like, I wrote that down in my notes. That's perfection. (laughs) Those are the lyrics. Let me just say that Pike is a goddamn master politician. Like, why let a good tragedy go to waste when you could just use it to completely unite the entire group? And he just, every time... I personally just respect his actor. I know he is in a hated role and everyone he hates yeah. him as, as by design. He's akin to Joffrey from Game of Thrones. Right. But man, does he would he fit well in those Game of Thrones politics? He's just so smart when it comes to just how to control people to motivate them to do anything. He, and that's just yes. shown perfectly here. Yeah. Oh my God, I totally agree. Yeah, Luke, I made that exact same point a couple episodes back because I was in the same shoes as you where I was like, man, this guy sucks. And then I, re- mm-hmm. I stepped back and I was like, man, he's really good at making me hate him. Yes. Like, he's like very masterful about this. So um, it's great. But as we're as he's making this speech and, you know, everybody falls in Abby and Canada and she's like 10 soldiers and they went up against 300 people and there's no wounded. How is mm-hmm. that even possible? Right. Which right. is a great question. And right at that moment, we cut back. And that's when Lexa and Clark, who are on the road, come across the basically just the murder fields of all the corpses of all these people. <sighs> and then, you know, bam, title screen. So we're, we're in yeah. it, folks. Like shit is going to get real this episode because some people <laughs> done made some fucked up mistakes. That title screen doesn't mean much to you guys right now in the moment. That was so big for me because I haven't heard that thing in months. <laughs> oh my God. I get chills when you just hear the yeah. It just goes right through everything. So good. And the ladies howling in the, yes. in the or the folks, I should say, yeah, howling the, in the, the wilderness. The, yeah. uh, the wilderness folks howling in the wilderness. It's a staple. You got to have it. Oh yeah. I was going to say, I didn't realize Paige Turco was the second on the title card. Yeah, right. Yeah, second billing. Good for her. Isn't that interesting? Second on the call sheet. Wow, that's big. So we come back from that and Lexa and Clark are kind of making their way through the bodies. And Lexa is very obviously pissed and they don't really know what's going on about this. And right at that moment, some guards signal over and we find that uh, Michelle Obama, a.k.a. Indra. (laughs) Thank God. She survived. She made it. And thank God, because I don't know what we would do without Michelle Obama. I don't know what we do. You know, I don't know what I, I don't know what I would do. I would probably just leave. I'd probably just stop watching. She is wounded to fuck, though. And she basically explains that, like, the whole thing was an ambush. They killed their archers first and then they mowed down the infantry. And the only reason that she is still alive is because Bellamy convinced Pike not to kill her and leave her alive to, to send a message, which mm-hmm. is funny because, like, Pike's whole thing was kill all the wounded which you know 
Let me check my Geneva Convention real quick. Yes, that is, in fact, a war crime. You uh-huh. can't do that, friends. Big one. Big time. <laughs> Big time crimes. But I will say the consistency of Pike saying, you know, he doesn't want to kill. He doesn't want to preserve the wounded because he doesn't want to waste medical supplies. But Bellamy's mm-hmm. whole idea yeah. here is to let her live and go back to the grounders. So it's not really contradictory there. And I, I appreciate that. Consistency. No, it is. It's internally logically consistent for sure. Absolutely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, on Pike's mm-hmm. part. Lexa is immediately furious and is basically Obviously. like, we're going to fuck all this shit up. And <laughs> yeah. Clark is like, yo, 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 hang on. Give me a second to fix this. And I wrote down in my notes, fix what, Clark? The war crimes? Because like <laughs> yeah, right. that ship done sailed already. I did think the same thing. I'm like, she's she's almost like too optimistic about in this episode. She's just like, hold on. All I have to do is my little savvy language arts and I will solve this problem. Like all I need to do is just, I guess, talk to someone. She says, if I can get to Bellamy, then I can get to Pike because Bellamy is tight with Pike. And I just kept thinking like, what? Clearly, Clark, you've you've been away. You've been one header for too long. Like you've been away in the wilderness. You have no idea what's going on in Arcadia. Bellamy doesn't have any control over Pike. Mm-hmm. He's being completely manipulated by Pike. So it's just like, girl. Well, Clark still thinks Bellamy is old Bellamy, which he's not. She's been gone yeah, right. so long. Really sucks when your girlfriend's people kill your people and then you have to kill your girlfriend's people. And I, it's a whole turn. thing. It's a whole thing. Tales ha- old as time. Who Tales among us time. has not been in this exact situation? You <laughs> We've know? all been there. We've all uh, been there. Relatable. Yeah. I mean, so hashtag relatable. Like, that's what I really, you know, guys, we don't talk about this enough. <laughs> This is what I really love about the hundred is how relatable it is because like, I'm always saying that. Yeah. We've all like, for example, for example, we've all been stranded on a space station in the, in space and then the power goes out and we run out of oxygen and then right. we have to launch ourselves down on a nuclear missile and land in the soft, soft sand. And right. like, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. That's like, that was like two summers ago for me. <laughs> You know, so, <laughs> you know, what is funny, though, about you pointing out what Clark is like in this scene is going to kind of come back to the scene she has with Bellamy a little bit later. I was trying to figure out like I like that scene. It's well acted. It's very interesting. We're going to talk about it in depth in a couple minutes. But like if the energy felt weird to me in that scene, and I think a lot of it is kind of coming back to what you're saying, where it's like Clark is out of her depth. She's been gone too long. She does not know what's going on. And she still thinks that she is, you know, in charge of shit, you know, when she's really, really not. And it's like a huge miscalculation, like from the jump. We come back to Pike and he's in his war room, basically. And he's talking about how uh, we are going to uh, expand Arcadia's borders and do all this shit, right? And it, it's during this meeting, Bellamy's there. It's during this meeting that he says, yeah, we're going to get 15 kilometers out. Bellamy's like, well, there's a grounder village, like not like within that realm. And Pike's like, well, we got to have to clear it because that's absolutely where they're going to launch a counterattack. Bellamy is immediately like, because Pike asks him for the location of it and he does not want to give it up. But kind of coming back to what Luke was saying, this is a really great example of how savvy and politically capable Pike is because he realizes in this moment right here, Bellamy's not like 100%. He's not like fully pilled yet. Like he's getting there, but he's not right there. Yeah. 
he he had a sip of Kool-Aid, but he had he didn't drink the <laughs> sure. whole picture. Mm-hmm. Right. And then he takes this time once it's just him and Bellamy to really turn on like the emotional manipulation and kind of say, hey, listen, you know, I know you what you think is rough, but don't think about it in terms of lives we lost. Think about it in terms of lives you saved. And it's very politically calculated. It's very, very smart. You know, the, a lot of the themes in The 100 is like all the big bads basically is everyone is the protagonist of their own story, right? And up until this moment, if you think about it in that way, Pike's not that bad. If I touch down on Earth after being in space, like, we made it, thank God, and then people just kill all the children and stuff. Yes. Yeah, of course, fuck all the grounders, kill them. Of course. <laughs> yeah. He's definitely just working with the information that he that he had, and unfortunately, he landed near Ice Nation, which is probably the worst of all the clans. That's not you know Sengeta crew, right. but yeah. yeah. Cue that uh, cue that sound effect from uh, Wheel of Fortune or Price is Right. Where it's like, burr, burr, burr. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, you landed you landed in Ice Nation. I'm so sorry. Couldn't have been yeah. worse. No, that's that's such a great point. I I totally agree, Kathleen. Like it, it's honestly. And I think that's why it's so cool to go back and rewatch these old episodes because you watch them the first time, you're fucking hyped. You're like, fuck this guy. Like, he sucks. Uh, miscommunication. You know, that's my biggest gripe with The 100 is that, like, most problems could be solved with, like, a radio call or, like, right. just a, a sentence someone says to someone. Mm-hmm. We like could an avoid. apology, maybe. An like apology, a genuine apology. An explanation. Would save. <laughs> They also yeah. they also jump straight to killing people all the time, but they also grew up yeah. on the arc where it's like, did you steal that piece of bread? You're out, float on. You're dead. Like, <laughs> yep. You can't That's blame true. them. It's just, it's insane. That's true. That's actually a really good point. I feel like this is kind of like conditioning in a way. Like they're they're kind of okay with death. They're like, I mean, even look at right. the culling. You know, when exactly. they did the culling, it was like that sucks, but they still did it, and they. And that's no where one really put up a stink from. about it. Right. He's coming from having to kill 300 people just because they didn't have enough resources. And that's what he's talking about right now. He's like, we can't keep them. We don't have the stuff. Sorry. Mm-hmm. It's like, yeah, yeah. chill. And then so basically the, th- the, the thing to take away from this scene is that even though Bellamy voices his concern and say, hey, I think we went too far, you know, 24 hours ago. Ultimately, Pike offers him back his guard outfit his June uh, jacket or whatever and Bellamy puts it on right so he is like he has this moment of questioning it and then he decides that internally what he's done is still justified and therefore we're going to continue on and it is in this next moment here as he's leaving and Kane and Lincoln are summoned to talk to uh to Pike they kind of cross paths in the hallway and Kane pretty much like reads him the riot act and he's like you think you were, you know, worried before, or if you think you had a guilty conscience before about my weather, you've basically started a war that's going to annihilate all of us, you know? Right. Right. And Which I mean, is Pike, a pretty rough and, thing to say. Yeah. <laughs> and know? and Pike even says, like, he says to him, like, yeah, war sucks, but we saved lives today. Like, yeah, we killed 300 people, but how many lives did we save? And it's just so backwards logic. Like it's it just reinforces the fact that they don't even understand the value of life or or their how they value life is exactly. very warped, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. It's, I'm very yeah. disappointed that you didn't introduce that scene with Space Snape and um, Abraham Amy. Lincoln. <laughs> I've been waiting for you to say that. Yeah, no, you're right. I'm sorry. You're right. I should just cut back. Like, we got Space Snape, Abraham Lincoln, our 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 favorites. You know, you you love them. You know them. <laughs> By their legal Dear, names, Space Nape and Abraham Lincoln. They're Christian names, yeah. They're Christian <laughs> names. On the birth certificate. And, and the thing that sucks about this scene, too, is that, like, the start of this season is 
the budding friendship of our two sweet boys, our himbo Bellamy and our, our sexy, sexy Abraham Lincoln. Mm -hmm. And the friendship is good and they're fighting each other. And it's like a great moment. And now this is like the nail in the coffin where like Bellamy and Lincoln are officially like broken up and you hate to see it. You hate to see it. Well, and I know how important the friendships in this, in the hundred are to you, Tim. They're very important to me. This is another bro friendship that is, crumbling space ape says you know like wake up you're gonna you're starting a war wake up and bellamy's like no you wake up they murdered 37 of my friends and i was (laughs) no you and i was thinking like (laughs) when he says they murdered 37 of my friends i was like they yeah babe lincoln turns and says who you calling you people he basically turns around and says right to him (laughs) yeah literally i know it had it had kind of like not you know there's a little bit of the political thing here. I mean, not that it kind of had that almost like racial weight to it. It's like very equivalent. Like you're you're prejudiced against the grounders, you know, well, you're othering. otherizing. You know, well, yeah, they're yeah. just othering these people, right? Yeah, yeah true. Like, not you, not you, babe. Not yeah. You, you, yeah. <laughs> no, babe, we're like, cool. you're one of the good ones. <laughs> yeah, we're yeah. cool, babe. Like, classic. <laughs> I do want to say that I am currently watching the show American Gods, and that's starring yes. Ricky Whittle. So, so are we. I've, are so you guys really? Yes, I I started watching it too. Tim Tim's farther ahead in the show than I am, but I just started watching season one, and I think I'm like halfway through, a little more than halfway through. I might be in the same exact spot as you, but it's just insane to see the difference in Shadow Moon and then Lincoln. Like just yes. he's such a good actor. <laughs> yeah, I love, oh, I I love, love Ricky Whittle. Ricky Do you Whittle recommend there. that show to me? Yes. We, as all three of you, recommend that show? Yeah, yes. no, we definitely 1,000%. do. 1,000%. <laughs> uh, after this moment, we have a, a scene with Raven and Abby. And Abby is in the hospital wing. Raven kind of barges in super pissed, right? And it's a short scene, but it does set up the kind of the climax for the rest of this episode in that Abby basically takes Raven off of active duty. She's like, you're not managing your pain well, and it's going to get worse if you don't. And Raven, who is still like struggling with finding her purpose now that her her able bodiedness has been taken away from her. You know, this is like a huge blow to her ego, um, which I think is interesting just because like in the previous episodes, like like Sinclair in the last two or two episodes ago made this whole big effort to like kind of reaffirm that her uh, value is in her brains and her smarts. Right. And it's kind of weird for her to like take this turn now and go right back to like, I'm not valuable if I'm not being physical. It's just kind of a weird, like, I don't know if it's like on purpose or maybe they forgot like what they were doing with her character. (laughs) But like, you know what I mean? Like, it's just like, it was kind of struck me as weird that she would have this reaction to Abby. I have a kind of a hot take on Raven. She's one of my favorite characters. She's binge towns voted most beautiful human in the entire world. 1000% artist. Yes. To me, they never really found her purpose. I I think the writers were always struggling with that. I think she was uh, criminally underutilized except for when they needed someone to save the whole thing. She's the utility, right? She just she just does whatever they need her exactly in that moment. You're right. She is a utility player. Absolutely. <laughs> and things got a little weird for her when they killed off, oh man, I can't believe I forget his name. Wick. Uh, Wick. When they got rid of Wick yeah. because that was 100% the direction they were going. They were going to make I'm sure their relationship be a key part of Raven's story. So when mm-hmm. they had just had to axe that because of off-screen stuff, they right. had to kind of reset Raven in a way that 
you know, made her still center stage, but like, you know, she has right. all this emotional weight. Like, I don't need her to have a romantic relationship for her to be like, have a purpose on the show. Sure. I feel like, I don't know what I would have wanted for her, but I, I just wanted more. Yeah, no, <laughs> I she's totally perfect. agree. Yeah, she is perfect. The 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 romantic thing is really interesting because I almost feel like when they set that up with Wick, well, and even look as far back as Finn, you know, mm-hmm. like Raven was basically introduced as the other woman, you know, she's introduced as right from the beginning, a main huge part of her character is how she is related romantically to another character. Um, right. And that's such a big part of her. So yeah, Finn goes, then Wit goes, like you said, for off-screen reasons. And then it's kind of like, I, I feel like it set up a really nasty trope for her character where they just, they didn't know what to do with her. So they just yep. kept putting her in these romantic relationships and then axing her boyfriends. <laughs> right. Throw this at the wall. Did it stick? No? All right, move on. I could have volunteered for a single season of that. I would have just taken that. Yeah. Yeah, I'll take a single episode. Truly. <laughs> yeah, truly. <laughs> Kill me off. So, so we but we don't stay with them very long, right? We have this blow up. Abby, they don't they don't really resolve anything from it. But the next scene we have is Jaha. He's back, baby. It's oh. Arcadia time, and he's back with Otan. Look who it is. What perfect timing for Jaha to show up when the Seriously. shit has completely hit the fan. Everything is falling apart. The Messiah has returned. <laughs> <laughs> Can you guys remind me, when did Murphy and Jaha leave? Like, what kind of terms were they on with the people of formerly known as Camp Jaha, now Arcadia? Kathleen, that is such a great question. And that is something that I myself have wondered. And I can't believe we never brought it up before because I was just thinking about this. I'm like, has anyone at any point been like, hey, where did Murphy go? Like we did, we did bring this up. We did, did bring we? this up where we were like, we were like, yeah, apparently no one gives a shit that Jaha and 13 other people in Murphy are just fucking gone. Like no, no one said anything. No search party. No nothing. Yeah. What, <laughs> what happened is that Jaha left a note. He left a note on his weird holographic legal pad that he had. And he was like, bye forever. I'm going to find big bright light in the West or the fuck over a sand dune. Sure. Wow. I'm amazed that you remembered that verbatim. That's a really good memory <laughs> skills on your point. You remember that exact quote. Good job. Cause my brain went, it, it used to be called camp Jaha. Did he do something bad where we're like, we can't have it be named camp Jaha. Yeah, I don't, they don't ever <laughs> address why they renamed it. I don't think they ever, re- I don't think they ever bring it up. Why it's not camp Jaha anymore. They uh, do you know. comment on it in this episode, right? Because Clark ends up saying it was named something else when I left. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's brought up. True. But, but that's about it. It, it was yeah. called Arcadia. I think I think we find out that it's called Arcadia in the first episode of season three when they just pan up and you see the sign says Arcadia, yeah. not Camp Jaha. So mm-hmm. okay. I assume it happened in that three months. They were probably just gone. like, listen, Camp Jaha is a dumb fucking name. Let's name it something cooler, guys. We're literally the first humans back from fucking space. That's literally the conversation. I guarantee it. <laughs> but he is back now. And Otan is with him and he's got this backpack, right? The infamous backpack. That, the special backpack, yeah. The special mm-hmm. robot lady backpack, right? He's got sure. it. And so they approach the gates and the guards come out and they are immediately treating Otan with hostility and suspicion, which, I mean, you understand. And Jaha's tr- kind of trying to talk him down. He greets the main guy, fucking Sean. And is that his name? His I hate name this is fucking Sean guy. Gilman. Yeah, this I hate this guy, guy so much. I tell you. They gave this guy a last name. 
Well, Jaha says it. That's the only reason I know it. He says, ah, Gilman or whatever. Good to see you. So he's like, what's in the backpack? And Otan doesn't want to give him the backpack, right? And so there's a a scuffle and and, uh, he tries to snack it. Otan tackles him and then Sean shoots this guy, right? Immediately. Pulls off one shot. Just immediately kills this man. And Sean goes, when they get up, Sean goes, he was going for my gun. And I'm like, yeah, Sean, we fucking heard that before. Fuck. (gasps) Mm, (laughs) Timely. Christ. And Fuck. so they call for a medic. And I don't know if you guys noticed this, but uh, Abby sure did take her sweet fucking time getting there to this medic call. <laughs> I don't know where she was relative to this shooting, but like when she shows up, she's got her one little yellow pack and just kind of like, oh, wow, a dead body on the ground. Oh, hey, Jaha. And like then goes to treat. Him. I'm like, Abby, there's there's shit to do here. You know? <laughs> yeah, this is important. Can you imagine your first reaction to this guy coming on with Jaha? Like, uh- you should trust Jaha, right? I mean, he was your count- chancellor. I was going to say counselor. Camp counselor. Yeah. Like, he, he, was, he was the camp counselor. Camp Jaha. Camp the, counselor. Camp Jaha. Camp counselor. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Summer camp. Yes, exactly. <laughs> like poor Otan. What the fuck? Yeah. It was very much like we're very indifferent to Otan dying. Like he literally was like pop, pop, done. And it was just like, well, death is not the end. So well, that's the thing. We're partially indifferent to it because Jaha was like, eh, he doesn't care. Jaha makes no reaction other than go hang out with Allie, dude. It's going to be chill. (laughs) Yeah, and Abby notices this right away. Like, she knows something's off with Jaha, which everyone Mm -hmm. should. The dude's a, he's a prophet at this point, right? Prophet, yes. Cult leader. Yeah. 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 Mm 1,000%. I also just really like the visual of Allie. I just want to say that. Like, that, that red dress oh, so in the in the wilderness is perfection i love it's it it's so good I, it's so good i'm like i am sad that i didn't appreciate this more when i mm-hmm. watched it the first time because it's honestly like she's in those like stiletto black shiny oh. gloss heels it's jarring almost yeah red lipstick bright red dress it's like the most out of place you can possibly she has like the perfect ai mannerisms like when she's thinking <laughs> she just tilts her head a little bit and her eyes are always just you know yep. The uh, the thing, too, about her and what I love and how smart it is, the design of her character is that you're right now. We don't really know what a threat Abby is at at present moment in this episode. Right. But yeah. What did I say? Abby. Abby? Oh, I'm sorry. (laughs) Abby also a huge threat. Hate Abby. Yeah. We don't know how big of a threat Allie is, right? But right now, she she does. She pops. She looks so different than literally the every other character in this show, right? And then when the nefarious sort of things that are revealed about her come to light, she goes from being an outstanding thing to a very scary thing. When you start seeing her appear in the in, in places where we think we shouldn't see her, it's like, oh, yeah. fuck, you know? Like she's like always we, watching. Yeah. She's omnipresent. But I think on that note, it's a good time to take a break. Okay. Imagine freedom from chronic pain without any drugs or surgery. Now you can break free from that pain with Allie Jans. Free to play with your kids again. Free to dust off those dancing shoes. Free to get back out there and bring even more people into the city of light. Thanks to Allie Jans, I can play with my grandkids again. Finally, chronic pain relief that's more effective than drugs. Allegiance is delivered by a small, edible wafer that calms pain receptors and sets you free. 
Before Alley Jans, I struggled with simple tasks like walking and getting off my horse. I didn't feel useful to my community at all, but that all changed when I started taking Alley Jans. Consult your doctor before starting Alley Jans. Side effects include dizziness, nausea, dry mouth, unusual changes in mood, behavior, or thoughts, hallucinations, and confusion. Do not take Allegiance if you are pregnant, may become pregnant, or if you would prefer not to lose your identity to a sentient, possibly nefarious robot lady. See yourself in a whole new light with Allegiance. And we're back. So, we're coming back. We've got one of our other favorite characters, Mr. John Murphy. Hey, there he is. There he is. Yeah, looky here. uh, We got uh, Bonnie and Clyde out on the road. I was just going to say that. (laughs) It's a full, we've got a Murphy and a Maury, Bonnie and Clyde situation. They're robbing dudes on the highway. They're uh, getting into shenanigans. Yes, cue cue the Jay-Z Beyonce song that's like playing in the background, like, all I need in this world is sin. It's me and my boyfriend. Yeah, that's it. That's like all I could hear in my head when this when I was watching this. Oh, three Murphy and Amori. Love that. Yeah. <laughs> Vintage. Yes. Although real talk. Can we talk about the the first dude that they rob? Hit this guy's fucking look. I fucking loved his whole vibe. Yes. The whole steez this dude. He's got the hat. He's got like the I don't know what that what that top was. It was like a uh, hemp jacket type thing, but maybe yeah. with like indigenous patterns. I don't know. It was awesome. Yeah, he had a good look. <laughs> and they basically um we what I love about this is that we're getting sort of the budding romance. Oh. And you know me, I love a good mm-hmm. love story, you know, and this is the start of a very long-lived, fruitful, and wonderful love story. And so that's always fun. Kathleen, what do we say about Amori Murphy? <laughs> Greatest love story of our time. <laughs> Greatest love story of our time. Mm-hmm. This is where I commend you on your lack of bias. When I was listening to your your episodes, I'm like, they really are staying on task because I would be like, as I'm watching this, I'm like, Amori's kind of cray and really selfish. But by the season seven, of course, and of course you can cut this if you don't want spoilers. I'm like, I fucking love her yeah. so much. So, yeah. so yeah, as I'm yeah. watching this, I'm like, I love Amori. But would I have loved Amori when I was watching it? And did I in season three? I'm not sure. Yes. So I commend you on your non-bias. <laughs> well, it's hard. It is it's hard. hard because, you know, like we we do remember shit that happened like big long term and we do feel a certain way about characters right after the whole as we journey. sail often on the show we live in the future like we we live in the future we know what happens and the thing of it is is that like it's it's easy like i understand totally what you mean kathleen when you talk about how like she is kind of like in this season like an impish kind of character kind of like mischievous uh, chaotic neutral type of alignment or whatever but like um, the chemistry that Richard and Louisa have on screen, I, I think, just makes them inherently yeah, endearing so to like the audience because they're just they work so well off of each other. You see the smile? Oh. He's so smiling. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Whatever makes Murphy happy makes me happy. So if that's a Maury, I don't care who it is. If it's Maury, it's fine. That's, it's right. so, if it's murder, yeah, sure. that's fine too. Absolutely. Sign me up. Sometimes he wants to kill John. I don't know. <laughs> I'll be murdered by him. Yeah. Th- so this is this is what the second time this episode. Y'all have volunteered to be murdered on the show. Um, I get it. Who wouldn't I be murdered by on yeah, this? Yeah, any of them. Literally, I would let anyone kill me. So, so they rob this guy. They don't kill him, which is nice. 
But then later in their like treasure nice. cave, they're you back. Know, that is yeah. nice. I mean, to not you know. kill. They're sweet. Yeah. Right. Hmm. They're back in the treasure cave, and Amori's bringing up. She's like, "Hey, I want to go look for Otan. You know, like I want to see if we can, you know, save him, rescue him. Like they're really." They left not really knowing his fate and like what actually is going on with the City of Light. So like they don't have a ton to work off. But I mean, obviously she misses mm-hmm. her brother. And Murphy is like, listen, this is a bad call because people, when they leave in this world, they don't come back, Great point. you know, which is kind of an interesting, an interesting line in terms of like what's actually happening in the world at this time. Like it's yeah. a very, like a ton of characters leave and come back, <laughs> like Clark specifically. And like, all that these is other, true. You know, not to mention the city of light. He people, does even you know? say like a really interesting comment about like, it's not a survivor's move to go to Arcadia to go because he knows that Jaha went to. Arcadia, I guess. I don't know if Jaha told him he was going to do that, but it seems like he knows. That's our cockroach. That's our cockroach. He's always doing the survivor's move. Always the survivor's move. Yeah, I, I like that they are. I mean, we know that we've seen the survivor thing planted in Murphy from the beginning, but I love when they make a point to be like, all Murphy is focused on is surviving. That's, it's like in our world, if we were to say that, like, I just want to live, it's like setting the bar pretty low. But I guess in this world, <laughs> right. it's like, okay, it's kind of tough. And the uh, that line that he drops on her, the whole it's not a survivor's move, like it kind of rubs her the wrong way, but she's so infatuated with him that she's kind of like letting it slide a little bit. And then a little bit later on, they're trying to do their whole Robin the Traveler's spiel in the road. Yeah, again. they like play possum. And Murphy is they trying make to Murphy, do. She makes Murphy yeah. play possum and then she comes out with her knife to like get him. Yeah, it's pretty great. And and he's trying to like do his own makeup to make himself look bloodied and she kind of follow, follow, comes out of the woods and she's like, I I do a so much better job of this, you know, and, and Murphy's like, well, I thought you were going to bail on me and go find Otan. And she's like, well, I'm just going to stay with you until I can convince you, which I will eventually convince you to do that, which is very, very Gotta cute. love that confidence. Except it's sexy, for, you know? Right. I love confidence these two. It's pretty Good. sexy. Mm-hmm. The problem, though, is that this time when they're doing their whole uh, Bonnie and Clyde guy in the road routine uh they do it to the wrong folks and in fact they do it to a bunch of soldiers warriors basically that have been looking for murphy like the word's gotten around that there's bandits robbing folk and now all of a sudden the pipers come to, to pay his due and they take uh they take murphy hostage and they were gonna kill him except right at that moment one of the guards upturns murphy's bag and out falls the uh communion wafer what do we call it Liz? the what computer cookie the, the computer cookie uh, <laughs> Allie's, Allie's chip Allie's key the com- communion that's wafer that's literally guys that's literally what it is it is literally a communion wafer with Amen. AI robot technology inside of men yes praise be Allie <laughs> Our robot god. You know what I mean? Like, and it literally wow. is too because the guards recognize it because it's got the sacred infinity symbol on it. They're like, what the yes. fuck? And so they don't kill him. So it like actually does save his life, which I think is kind of ironic. It is great too because in this moment we do get, which I love I love every time it's on the show, we do get a go float yourself for Murph. Yes. Which, uh, Thank you. Snaps, yes. snaps for Murph. I was so excited when I heard yeah. that. Yep. Gotta have it. Gotta shout it out when it happens. It literally, Gotta recognize. Mm-hmm. I am such a nerd. And like, because of the show at this point, like anytime I hear it from a character, I do cheer. I'm literally like, yes, yeah. I said it. Oh, there it is. 
Yeah. I was a little nervous because because Tim was talking past the part where he says the quote, and I was like, "Is he not going to yeah. say it? Am I going to have to be the one that says it?" Yeah. Well, <laughs> see, thank you, Luke, for Luke and Liz and Kathleen for for picking me up. I I do tend to like just kind of get us there, and like then I, yeah. I have to come back a lot of the time. But like, yeah, no, we we can't gloss over the go float yourself. It's just it's like, oh, well, so good. I was telling my best friend that I was coming on the show, and I I said the title "Go Float Yourself," and I was, I kind of had to ex- go back and explain. I'm like, well, the reason it's called this is because of that, and. Then I was thinking about it. And I'm like, they don't really say it that often. And I watched episodes three, one, two, three, four, five of season three. And I was like, they say it like five times. It just, mm-hmm. we yeah. did a, a float you at one yep. point. Yeah, we sure do. It's like, love the float you. I was like, how often mm-hmm. do they say this? Because I really didn't think they said it that much. But I know they are feeding you guys. They are <laughs> hyping you up. Speaking of sacred symbols, though, we're coming back to Jaha. Sure. Jaha's talking with Abby and uh, Space Nape walks in. And we learn that Pike has stripped Kane of all of his authority, which pretty standard fashy move, you know, Super disarm fashy, your yeah. rival, political rival, and just sort of like, yeah, throw him out to the wind. Also, real quick, I just need to make a note that I love that right, like as we're leading into the scene, I love that Jaha is like, eh, don't worry about Murphy. He's fine, probably. (laughs) Like, and just flat out ignores Abby when she asks him. She's like, Jaha, you left with like 12 other people. Like, where are the other people? And he just straight up ignores her. Like, does not. He's like, hey, it's Marcus Kane. Like, hey, my buddy. Don't. Good timing. Yeah. Let's not talk about that. That's an amazing point. I love that. Of course, Jaha is on his City of Light bullshit, For right? sure. And so he's trying to, um, I guess, pontificate. And Abby and Kane are very skeptical and just sort of like, all right, dude, like, whatever. Because I Kane mean, is like, Kane is like, oh, you found the City of Light? I mean, I, that's good, right? Like, that's good. And Abby's like, I don't fucking know, dude. This shit sounds weird. The dead air between them. It's so funny. Abby's like, go ahead, Jaha. Tell Kane. Yeah. Tell Kane you just told me. Good. Yes, psycho. He sounds like a crazy man. He yeah. sounds Cuckoo like a crazy man. The delivery is so good. I will definitely say that I'm not the biggest Abby fan as a whole throughout the series. I know, Kathleen, you you really do like Abby, but the way that Abby treats Jaha when he comes back to Arcadia, it's just one of my favorite things about her. She's super skeptical. She's kind of being the only one that I feel how I would react. So I really (laughs) enjoy that in her because (laughs) I would just be asking so many questions and they just let this all go on. And, you know, (laughs) yeah, Yeah, he's very good at, because he is a cult leader, like pyramid scheme leader, essentially at this point, like, this, that's what City of Light is. It's a pyramid scheme. Let's be real. Um, <laughs> like, you go oh get God. some of your friends to sign yes. up and then they start selling the chip and then I make money. <laughs> and we that's all the best win. thing I've heard about the chip. <laughs> Thank that's you. the best thing I've heard since communion. Yeah, I, I do love this exchange, too. When he finally gets to talk to Pike, right? He's like, Hannah shows and Monty's mom. Hannah shows up and she's like, hey, Pike wants to see you. And they go talk. And this is a great scene. And this is, I love any time that Allie shows up and she's just sort of like giving the characters tips, I guess, on like, like feedback. Yeah. Feedback, yeah. like invisibly, you know, no one else can see her except mm-hmm. for the character. But it's great because, um, Jaha's telling Pike about the city of light and Pike is like, haha, Yeah, sure. Bud, uh, save whoever you want. Just like stay the fuck out of my way. 
You know, and Allie makes this really interesting comment while Jaha's doing this, where she's like, do you want him to think you're a fool? Like she's, she's like confused as to why Jaha is, how he's communicating and what his end game is, which I feel like reinforces the fact that she is a still a robot. She doesn't quite understand. Well, she's also like, the learning, nuance. though. Yeah, she's learning from her her, her actions, and we and you know, not to spoil t- t- things too far down the road, but it's like later when there are more people involved in the City of Light, she becomes much more confident and much more accurate in her, uh, I guess, analysis of the situation. Whereas right now, she's really kind of flying blind a little bit, like not really sure what to make of this, you know? Yeah, Pike's not seeing Jaha as a threat at all here, which is a mistake. He's just like, he thinks he just found Jesus. He's like, all right, cool. You do you, buddy. It's kind of disarming, though, right? It's kind of you kind of think of it like if if I were Pike and I was talking to Jaha and Jaha was on his city of light bullshit, I'd be like, okay, buddy, yep, (laughs) whatever I got to do to get out of this conversation. (laughs) (laughs) Log off. (laughs) The alternative is okay, there's an AI chip inside him, they're going to take over the whole human race. Yeah, yeah, that wasn't on your bingo card (laughs) for 2020. (laughs) (laughs) Who saw that one coming? Anybody? Yeah, no, it's really, it is interesting though. I like that you said that um, he doesn't perceive him as a threat because like that's part of what Jaha's doing. He's like, well, if I can get Pike to not take me seriously, then he's not going to question what I'm doing. He's not going to monitor me. He's not going to keep tabs on me. Like he'll leave me alone and I'll leave him alone. And eventually, you know, he'll come on board. And that was kind of a strategy that Allie didn't really pick up on. You know what I mean? So coming back to something we kind of glossed over, but it's very important to the plot. When Clark and Lexa find Indra, we remember that Indra has that radio that Space Nape gave her. And so Clark says, call Kane and uh, let's see if we can figure out why this whole thing happened. Because remember, Lexa and Clark at this point have no idea really what has occurred except by what Indra has told them. And so Kane can't leave because he's under guard. So he sends Octavia out like a secret passage. You know, it's a MacGuffin convenient, right? You got a hole in the wall, I guess, or whatever the fuck. I don't know. Secret tunnel out of the thing. <laughs> secret tunnel. Secret oh, great. Tunnel. Avatar reference. <laughs> Kathleen's about to start watching that show. Yeah, I can't wait. <laughs> oh, Luke, yeah. have you seen Avatar? Do you know? Do you know what I'm talking about? Oh, my God. Four oh, times. God, it's amazing. what a great show. Anyways, continue. Yeah. <laughs> so Octavia, Octavia arrives at the killing fields, right? And she is very obviously and correctly horrified sure. by what she's seeing. And we basically have a bring up to the speed. Uh, all the characters that weren't involved in what's going on with the, with the past stuff. We have one of those, like, let me just tell you everything that's happening exposition. And so now everybody's on the same page. And mm-hmm. Lexa basically says, hold on, your people voted for Pike. Your people voted for this shit. And Clark says, I don't believe it. I can't, I can't believe this is true. And, yeah, they and would Octavia never do hits that. her. Right. Octavia hits her with a, how would you fucking know, dude? You haven't been here for months, right? Which is like, bam. (laughs) Mic drop. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I know. Yeah, Octavia is absolutely pissed at Clark. And hey, it makes sense. Clark has this bad habit of fucking up a lot. Um, Yeah, yeah. right. It's it's a common thing for her. Yeah. She bears it so they don't have to. Okay, Liz? Okay? (laughs) You're right. I'm so sorry. (laughs) And so, and basically, so so Clark says, all right, listen, let me go talk to Bellamy, right? And Octavia's like, Bellamy was on this shit, dude. Like, he's not going to listen to you. And she says, well, Bellamy spared Indra. So if I can get to him, I can get to Pike. And then 
everything will be chill somehow. Sure. And Lex is like, dude, if you go there, they're going to arrest you or kill you because that's what I would fucking do. And Octavia's like, hey, don't worry. Secret MacGuffin tunnel. We're, <laughs> we're, we, we tight. We good. No worries. Octavia was born for that tunnel. Girl under the, girl under that's the right. floor. Yeah, that's, right. that's true. Doesn't she even say that at one point in this episode mm-hmm. where she's like, I was made for this or something? Yeah, <laughs> yeah I think she does actually. Like, oh, honey. <laughs> You you don't have to live under the fucking you don't have to live in the walls like a squirrel like you you know you're better than that. We come back to Pike and uh, as we recall from a previous episode, Nico had brought a bunch of sick people to Arcadia to get treatment. Abby was like, "Yeah, well, I'm Chancellor. I'm gonna do all the good things." And then Pike gets in charge. And he's like, "I'm actually gonna do all the bad things. So what I'm gonna do is kick these people out of sick bay and put them in jail." <laughs> this was I don't know how how did, can we just go through a play by play of how everybody felt about the scene because I was getting like angry like this is so fucked up like i was getting irrationally angry during the scene i'm like they're they're kicking these sick grounders out one of the guards is basically fine with shooting lincoln like lincoln shows up and and he's like what are you guys sean it's fucking sean he pulls a gun on him pretty much immediately yeah sean is the kyle of this episode essentially he really like, is. He, he's like he's got big kyle energy and i am not here for it i i just think it's impossible not to see this whole scene through lincoln's perspective yeah. how they're just being so irrational and just so rash there's just such a flip of the political atmosphere in arcadia it's just so much chaos i don't know making an enemy of the probably most jack dude in the entire camp yeah. doesn't seem like the best idea <laughs> to me especially because no. i love him <laughs> I, love I, I don't know <laughs> We would die for Babe Lincoln. Like, again, volunteering again. It's so unfair. I mean, the the argument is Pike's like, again, we can't spare the supplies. But, like, who really in, even in Arcadia, needs those supplies right now? Like, there's, they don't have any wounded, really. They don't have anyone who's like, it's basically Mm -hmm. just principle of the thing. He's like, I don't want grounders using up our resources. Even though I don't really need them right now, I'm still going to kick them out. It's, It's just so... Oh, well, not, not to come back to political theory too hard, but it's very much like <laughs> kind of similar to what Pike does to Bellamy in that it's not about the tangible thing we know is happening, a.k.a. you murdered 300 people. Don't think about that. Think about the intangible thing, the lives that we probably saved, right? Even though we don't need these medical supplies right this moment, we might need them in the future at some point, this intangible thing. And if we don't have that, then, oh, fuck, you know, so that's the rationale for doing this. It's all made up bullshit. You know what I mean? But it's like very effective in terms of like, it's just triggering people's psyches. Yeah, it's yeah, it's fearing. It's the otherizing. It's yeah. Mm-hmm. And anyways, the result of this is they fight and then Lincoln gets thrown into jail. So that's a bummer. My note for this literally is this scene sucks. And then it says Lincoln versus Bellamy. Who would win in that fight? <laughs> that's my oh, note. you know because what? I have that's very in-depth notes for everything else except for this scene. Because I think I was like, <laughs> I, I don't know what to say. It's like she's there. You're not going to help her. That's that. And Lincoln's mm-hmm. mad. Yeah, 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 I think I think Lincoln does land a punch on oh, he on hits Bellamy, him real good. which is good. Bellamy deserves that at this point. Sure. But yeah, I know we got we got the kind of the the uh, Arcadia Kid Dojo in the in the first episode <laughs> or whatever when when in that iconic scene when iconic when Babe Lincoln sweaty Shirtless, sweaty <laughs> yeah, sweaty Babe Lincoln and sweaty Bellamy are duking it out. In I could the watch little- out for forty five minutes. <laughs> 
and I have. Um, <laughs> what? Anyways. Um, <laughs> no, it's, yeah, that's a good question, though. I, I personally feel like Babe Lincoln would win if, if it's a fight, if it's a hand-to-hand fight between Babe Lincoln and Bellamy, both shirtless, both oiled up, ready to go. Just super, just super lubed. So lubed. I do think that Babe Lincoln would win because I think he does have more just like physical strength than Bellamy does. However, if it's, if it's like dirty rules, if it's, it's back alley rules, I think Bellamy is going to win because Bellamy will find a gun. Like he has like, he has like gun radar. Like he'll, he'll just find one. It will appear before him. I totally agree with that entire assessment. I have nothing to add. Yeah, Lincoln's been training his entire fucking life to kill people. So yeah, I cannot believe we're even having this conversation. It is. I just think oh, it's a sweep by Lincoln. Totally. I, I mean, that's yeah. the answer. Okay, okay, that's okay. Answer. Cool, cool, cool. I'm glad we're all I on the should, same page. Just wanted to make sure. So now we come to a scene where Jaha is doing his bullshit, and this is kind of like getting into a little bit of the philosophy of like what I like about the show because they do occasionally flirt with some interesting philosophical questions, and that is he's basically going on this whole diatribe about pain, emotional pain, physical pain. And he makes these statements like pain is the thing that destroys our relationships and pulls us apart and like can ruin a community and all this stuff that is true, like to a to a degree. While he's doing this, Allie, or I should say rather Raven shows up, who is the avatar of pain for us, yeah. right? She is her whole thing for the She's last She's been the two punching seasons. bag of the entire show. Right. Yep. Her mm-hmm. whole journey has just been her dealing with pain. So we've got this guy talking about pain on one hand and how he has the answer to it and the city of light can remove all this pain. And then you have Raven, who is the avatar of pain and saying, bullshit, dude, you don't know what you're talking about, blah, blah, blah. And Allie in this scene makes a point that, hey, if we get Raven on board, I think everybody else will come, which is a good assessment. But what I think is more interesting about that's like generally that's what the plot of this scene is giving us. Right. Which so that's one thing. But what's interesting about the, the comments about pain is that. My sort of side gig, I I do, I coach a high school rowing team, you know, I coach freshmen and uh, rowing like any other endurance sport is all about how much pain can you put yourself in before you fucking quit? Like that's Mm -hmm. like the whole vibe, right? That is sort of like pain that you seek out, like consensual sort of pain, right? The pain that is shitty, the pain that Jaha's talking about is this sort of non-consensual traumatic thrust pain upon you. thrust yeah. upon you. And I just like, it's so interesting because so often in our society, you keep hearing like, you know, there's some folks that say, hey, it'd be great if we just did our best to reduce as much pain as possible for people and the world would be better. And then there's the other group that says, well, but pain makes you stronger. And pain is the sort of thing that like makes character and it's like it's a really interesting dichotomy in terms of like what they're flirting with here in the show in a microcosm you know man that could have been a ted talk let's start <laughs> sorry i'm sorry guys that was amazing no, no tim's Don't great at this. <laughs> i will say you didn't you didn't sell your sport too much there if you were selling you sounded on pain you sold but. pain though you really did <laughs> yeah no i didn't want to harp on it too much but it, but it is interesting it is interesting because there's good like, things too there's the camaraderie no, and the teamwork yeah <laughs> That was incredible. No, you're absolutely right, though, Tim. I mean, yeah, that's that is an interesting discussion. And I mean, if we think about again, because we live in the future, if we think about the hundred, how it relates to the hundred and as a show over seven seasons, I mean, our characters wouldn't be who they are without the pain that they went through, you know, and I would definitely argue that their pain did make them stronger, you know, going through all that traumatic, all those traumatic things that they did. 
made them stronger, but of course, also it made them jaded or it made them. I was going to say, except for the people that didn't make it, yeah, <laughs> you right. know, there's certain characters that don't overcome their pain that we won't talk about just that yet. But like, true. you know what I'm saying? Like, that is true. <laughs> I was going to say, yeah. I- I mean, I was going to spoil Go, it. No. <laughs> but no, but like Jaha's doing this sermon of City of Light, right? And he's talking about eliminating pain. And when you think about all the characters of the hundred, I guess they don't know much different, but the pain is all they know. Yeah. Right. Talk about non-consensual pain. Their, their lives suck. Yes. And that's why his thing is such a great selling point, you know, because he's giving them exactly the thing that really every one of them should want. Mm-hmm. Right. And that that's what I have. I'm like, this sounds pretty damn good if you're just like, yeah, this sucks. I mean, I say it on our podcast all the time. If The Walking Dead happens, I'm out. <laughs> I am so out. Like, don't sign me up for that. Like, I know. Whatever. This feels... It feels crazy. Like yeah. it's it's a it's post apocalyptic. So like you would have been an easy convince is what you're trying to say. <laughs> yeah. So she would have taken that communion. Yeah. She would have taken the communion. Yes. Like, Computer cooking. She would have <laughs> said she would have said her seven hail alleys. You know. Oh, and- dude. <laughs> Cookie cult. That's lit. Cookie yeah. cult. Cookie cult. What were we thinking? It was there the whole time. <laughs> Fuck. Alliteration, man. Alliteration I love does some it. Good alliteration. <laughs> And now we're going to come to the scene, which I think is the best scene in the show. Debatable. But Octavia At least in this makes episode. it back to Arcadia. Yeah. Yes. Octavia makes it back to Arcadia. She confronts Bellamy, right? Kind of gets in his face about it. Gets in some sick one-liners with Bell, gets too. Gets in really, really good one-liners, right? But ultimately, what happens is she brings Bellamy to see Clark, right? Clark's in this, some room somewhere or whatever. Clark is trying to explain to Bellamy, hey, like, you guys fucked it up. Like, if you had just been chill, Lexa got you justice, killed the Ice Queen. Everything's fucking fine, you guys. And she's totally blinded to the fact that, hey, we aren't even on that shit anymore. Like, that's yeah. not even where the conversation has gone since the whole Ice Nation bullshit. You know what I mean? Bellamy basically says, <laughs> and I don't know if this is, I, I have to imagine this is on purpose, right? But he goes, the great Juan Hedda. Like, he really, like, <laughs> hits that Juan really hard, almost like he's on purpose saying it wrong, which I think is great. So, like... <laughs> Could be a bit of that Australian accent coming through. Might be. It might be. It's hard to say. But they basically have this whole conflict where um, Bellamy is saying, listen, Clark, you have no idea what you're fucking talking about. Like, you know, this is who I am now. He's like he has believes he's fully pilled and like is so on board with killing the grounders. Clark says that Pike is the problem. Pike's the one that's fucking all this shit up. Right. And Bellamy says, well, we've been at war since we landed. At least Pike sees that and understands that. Right. He, he clearly resents Kane, Clark, even Octavia for trying to convince him that one piece was possible. And two, that it's worth it to forge these relationships and like, work together with the grounders. Yeah, I think I think Bellamy's whole thing is that he cares more about the end result, meaning this is why he gets so guilty about the whole Gina dying thing. He doesn't care that it wasn't really his fault. He cares about the end result. And so that's when he, in this conversation, says to Clark, in my opinion, one of the most iconic lines that I can ever think of when it's related to Clark, but I always think about this when I think of The 100, but he says to her, people die when you're in yes. charge. And yes. Savage line. Man, if, if that just doesn't define what everyone thinks about Clark yes. besides the audience, like, Jesus. Yeah. I just think that, like I was saying, Bellamy prefers, instead of having his friend, who he knows is actually, like, a genuine good person that 
makes decisions for her people. He cares more about the result. So that's why he's putting all this weight on Clark's yes, shoulders. Yes, great know? point. Kathleen, yeah, please, please add to this too. I want to get everybody's opinions about I this. Was, I was going to say, when she says, I need you, his eyes perk up. <clears throat> like, is that not what a guy like Bellamy and specifically Bellamy wants to hear like his entire yeah. life? That's what yeah. he's built for. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. he's so heartbroken like over her just like leaving him and leaving him. Because she says... I, I, I'm going to butcher this line, but like, I knew I could leave because you were here to stay yeah, with them. Yeah, that bullshit. <laughs> yeah, fucking horse shit. It's and, so, like, it kind of manipulative yeah. almost in a way where it's just like, yeah. I'm, totally. I'm justifying why I left. I'm going to come up with a reason mm-hmm. right here on the spot that's going to make it seem like what I did was okay. I mean, she apologizes, but it's it's kind of, yeah, I don't know. He is, he is so heartbroken over her. He's reverting back to like, Whatever the hell we want, Bellamy, yes. which is just the worst. <laughs> the worst, like, no, Bellamy. No, thank you. Still hot, but no thank you. Yes. Like, Still you hot, know. but no thank you. Yeah, that is... That's the name of a new podcast. Still hot, but no thank you is going to be a podcast about all the people that we really can't like anymore, but we're like, all right. <laughs> or just villains. It's like only just we, villains, we just yeah. talk about villains we have crushes on and we're not proud of it. Every villain on this show, honestly. Truly. Still hot, but no thank you. Truly. What I find really interesting about their exchange, and and it gets really, really hard because Bellamy lays it out for Clark in a way. He says, you left my sister uh, to die in a, by missile attack. Yes, and then, he makes some great points here, right, honestly. You made a deal with Lexa and that who then abandoned us and then forced me and us together to kill the people that trusted me right and he's saying this like it's it's beautifully acted bob yeah. bob and Liza are great in this scene totally. like yeah i mean and it's and it's such a it is such a good rebuttal to what clark says where she says i need you i need the guy who wouldn't let me pull that lever in mount weather by myself and bellamy's response being of course you left me which oh mm-hmm. my heart yeah oh, um, it's so so heartbreaking and yeah the fact that like when he says that yeah you forced lexa basically forced us to kill everyone that tried to help us which is true which is true to a degree and you can like you can see the kind of realization happening on clark's face like in the moment like almost like she never thought of it that way it seems like at least that's how i kind of took it it's like she's so overwhelmed that she doesn't even really have anything to say back to him. She's like choking up on her words and like, uh, 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 like she can't even really come up with something because I think she knows deep down that he is right. Yeah, you're definitely right. In a vacuum of this episode, if we're just taking this conversation at face value, Clark is the loser for sure. And then you take into account that Bellamy just massacred all these people at the beginning (laughs) of the episode. And it's kind of a toss up, right? Everything that he did prior to the genocide in the field was justified. Clark's done some war crimes. Bellamy's done some war crimes. Bada bing, bada boom. You do a couple war crimes, you know? I still think he owns her a little bit in this conversation now. (laughs) Bob's your uncle. What are you going to do? We all all done war crimes. Whatever. The thing that I think is interesting, though, overarching. Or wait, Kathleen, what were you going to say? No, I'm going to let Tim go only because I was about to dive straight into like Bell Arc stuff because. (laughs) Oh, please. We need to save that because we could talk about that. But I I do want to make that later only because it relates back to the previous scene. Right. Talking about pain. The whole thing with Jaha and Raven just happened, right? They had that ex- explanation about pain. These two characters are doing not the same thing, but dealing with pain in two different ways, right? Clark dealt with her pain by running away and not facing it at all. And Bellamy is dealing with his pain by totally 
uh, shifting and justifying through a new enemy. And right? being aggro He's, as fuck. And being aggro about it. He's Clark is going is running away and not facing it. Bellamy is getting angry and taking it out on a new and getting even. Yes, right. Getting even, which is kind of an interesting thing. But either way, they're both processing pain individually and they're kind of talking past each other because they can't even like think about where they don't have the empathy built in because neither one of them is really processing their pain that well in this in this moment. You know what I mean? But sorry, let's talk about Bullark. Please do that. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, okay. Uh, So me, I was never a Bullark stan. Believe me, if they went that way. Love it. Sure. But I was a Finn and Clark girl. And then I was, you introduced Lexa and how can I not be a, a Lexa stand like, for sure. Cl- yep. My God. We'll, sh- we'll show you her Halloween costume. Yeah. Eventually, I was Lexa for Halloween that year. Like, I, I mean, <laughs> oh not Lexa. Can you imagine? No. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> that would have been incredible. I need to see this Lexa costume 1000%. But in a conversation, so Town did season seven, right? Right. And it's, it's so far out and season seven was so interesting just with the politics that were happening happening outside of it all Mm -hmm. that i barely even though i binged all of this the first thing quarantine hit i binged the hundred it's a comfort show for me i knew it would make me happy whatever but thinking about it from season seven's point of view i was like no i don't see it if it happens it happens but i don't need it i want to get your guys take but because because I rebinged the beginning of season three, I was like, Bellamy is in love with her. <laughs> yeah, he sure is. Amounts of love. Because I remember having a conversation being like, I don't think they ever actually went there where you would like, it's just friendship. They just love sure. each other. Platon- but I was rewatching this and I was like, hello? <laughs> Sexual tension? Mm-hmm. Especially from Bellamy's side. At yes, 1000% from Bellamy's side. Yeah, absolutely. For- from that hug after Blood Must Have Blood Part Two, I think that's the finale mm-hmm. of last season. Yeah. To, when she left till till now, it's like a lot of sexual tension that I didn't remember really. But let me, I want your opinions because I know it's aided. It will just so, to end on that point. It's aided by the fact that Gina just died, so he's single back on the market. <laughs> yeah, I don't, oh, know, right. I don't know if that's what you're getting. And speaking of pain. <laughs> Dealing with a lot of that pain too right now, folks. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true. <laughs> I mean, Wait, well, Gina valid point. Was real. Gina was real. Gina was real. <laughs> Let's not forget. Gina was real. Yeah, I kind of hate that line so much. Very. Um, yeah, no, I totally, I totally see that. I mean, I was. They're gonna come for me, right? I, I've said it once. I'll say it again. They're coming for me. It's an ambiguous they. I'll know it when it's here. You guys will know it. You mean the fandom? Sure. The fandom? Yeah. They're coming. They're coming. Because I definitely, I I do ship Balark. I, I okay. do. I also ship Klexa. I'm not, I'm not, you know, it's that big buy energy going on on this, on this side of the podcast, you know? <laughs> Feel that. Feel that. <laughs> and so I like them both and I see merits in both and I see, I mean, obviously we got it explicitly with Klexa. Like we know that they like each other and they, you know, hook up or whatever. And we got to see that, whereas we didn't get to see it with with Bellamy and Clark. And I think that's why a lot of people kind of cling to it or clung to it more as the show went on, because there was so much sexual tension and building to it. It's like we needed that release. Like, you know, like like the people yeah. who saw it early on were dying for it by season seven and and were so upset when they didn't get it, you know? I got my release with the clever thing. 
Okay, Clark and Levers, that's the only only <laughs> ship I care about, and we got the release on that one, folks. That's true. She did pull the lever. It was very that, intimate. That one gets renewed a couple times, that relationship. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Clark, Clark has, has an on-again, off-again relationship with Levers. It's, we, we love <laughs> to see really it. She really does. I would have shipped anybody together on the show. Yeah, literally anyone being anybody. happy for five seconds. Yeah. yeah. Any, any, but like it's, it is sad that there is so few moments of, of actual happiness with these characters that like anytime totally. someone does hook up, I'm just like, thank God. Thank God <laughs> mm-hmm. for that. They, they have something now, you know, the show doesn't want us to have nice things. That's no, the doesn't. problem. It, it doesn't. just wants us to feel the emptiness and the ache inside. <laughs> <laughs> Throwback to the hopes that I had for Jasper and Octavia dying oh. in like season one and a half. Yeah. I know that would have been not, fun. I mean, I'm I'm yeah. eternally happy with Babe Lincoln. Uh, that I would not trade that for the world. But yeah, there was there was they. I feel like they were setting that up, or at least trying mm-hmm. to set that up, and then they just veered away from it completely. Despite all these barbs, though, that like despite all these w- really fantastic and great one-liners that these two characters throw at each other during the course of this scene, they do end up apologizing to each other, right? Which is nice, except that's immediately undercut because Bellamy handcuffs Clark to a chair. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep. Well, I think maybe yes. he just handcuffs her to him. I'm not really sure exactly what he handcuffs her to, but it's yeah. very funny. I, I laughed when I saw that because we just had this huge <laughs> emotional dump and then, and you're going to jail. <laughs> I love that fake out because every time this happens in TV, I'm like, how were those not jingling? Like how that did that other person not yes. realize that the handcuffs were coming? It is such a trope <laughs> in TV. I feel like that happens all the time. Like I'm right. going to distract you with, by looking longingly into your eyes and then click. We do have a brief, brief scene with Jahan Raven once again, kind of bookending this whole thing where she's throwing a, a temper tantrum in the uh, mess hall or whatever, kicking over, you know, she's pissed. She's pissed because yeah. she's not on the wall or whatever. Raven, and I'm like, girl, just just relax. Just <laughs> enjoy the enjoy the R&R right now where you don't have to stand up. Who wants to stand on I don't a know. wall holding I don't know. a gun? Sit down. Just sit. <laughs> Sitting is good. I I prefer it, honestly. No, she's Raven's in a bad way, and that computer cookie is looking real good right about now. You and know? Jaha puts it on the table, being like, "What do you got to lose?" You know, which is like that's like the quintessential manipulator line, right? When it's like you know you got someone on the ropes, it's like, "Hey, man, you know what? It can't what get can worse. Go wrong? What can? Yeah, yeah exactly." And uh, and so we'll let that reveal itself because that's kind of our big climax, but. Whilst Clark is being led now by Bellamy to presumably see Pike, Octavia shows up, punches the fuck. I think out of Sean, right? Isn't it Sean? Sean finally gets his comeuppance and gets punched in the face. So that's great. (laughs) He finally gets his comeuppance. Satisfying. It is satisfying. And Bellamy's like, you can't just hit a guard. And Octavia's like, "Mm, fuck you. Pay me. Yes, I can. (laughs) She's like, actually, I just did. So what are you even going to do? And she helps Clark escape. They baton, laser baton, Bellamy. You know, it's a return of the laser baton. Not as popular as our friend, the hot, hot knife. The hot, hot knife is our favorite character on the show, is the most <laughs> versatile, is the best character on the show. Hands down. I, Babe Lincoln is close, but it's like it's hot, hot knife all the way. Uh, but lesser known is right. MVP of the show. Lesser known is Electric Baton, does come around every now and again, doesn't spend as much time doing good stuff. Yeah, Laser Baton does uh, help out a pal when we need him, um, does bring <laughs> back to life, and does paralyze the baddie, you know? Sure. So La- Laser Baton is kind of like the Loki 
of the hundred mm. universe in which he's kind of a chaotic character. Sometimes he's used for good. And a lot of times he's used for like nefarious <laughs> shitty things, you know, I thought you were going to say that it is like the utility. So basically Raven is the laser baton. <laughs> thought that's where you're going with that. <laughs> nope. I like no, that better. That would be good. Yeah. That would be good. <laughs> Raven is the laser baton of the hundred. Yeah. Right. I, yeah. I totally see that. And so we laser baton Bellamy. He gets knocked out. <laughs> Zip. <laughs> Octavia and Clark run down the hallway, and who do they find but Abby and Space Snape waiting at the secret tunnel, whatever. Kane is like, let me give you this radio. It's like the good it's, one, not the one the made out of jello. One. Oh, it is the no, one. Made, no, yeah, this the is one the bad one. This is the jello radio. Yeah, he's like, you gotta stay, you gotta stay like at least within 20 feet of. <laughs> mm-hmm. Some I love that I'm getting these references. I love it. <laughs> I wasn't sure if you would. I wasn't going to make Jello that joke, Rio, and I was like, you know what? Yes. And Hot Hot Knife was, I was fucking dying at Hot Hot Knife. <laughs> I love it. It's like, it's not even an ad. It's not even an ad. <laughs> Listen, so we just I'm support so the product, right? I mean, they, they you know, they, they do pay, pay us, us but yeah, I mean, they you know. pay us. Yeah. <laughs> Quote, unquote. Yeah. And this, this is kind of a nice touching scene uh, where Clark's like, Clark says to Abby, come with me. Which I'm not really sure why she says that to Abby. Like, I don't, I mean, Abby can't really leave right now. I mean, I guess she just wants to get Abby out of the authoritarian rule of Pike. But we do, we do get, we do get another iconic line in the scene. We get a may we meet again from Abby. So Mm -hmm. it's like, we're getting all of them in this one. Sure. I love a may we meet again. (laughs) Go float yourself. May we meet again. And, and the traveler's prayer. Or that whatever the good. like yes. in peace may leave the shore. Ugh. Fuck me up. Fuck Emotional. me up. <laughs> So then we got we get we get a scene where um Michelle Obama is talking to Alexa and she's like, listen, I don't know if we can fuck with these people. They got the firepower, and I don't know how we're gonna do it if we don't use guns, which as we recall is kind of a big no-no in the grounder culture because of the Mount yeah. Weather shit. They're like, we don't use guns because they use guns and they're like basically demons. So we it's don't want to be anything like yeah. that. Right at that moment, Clark shows up. And Lex is like, all right, well, what's the big plan, Clark? And Clark's like, all right, guys, hear me out. What if <laughs> <Here we go. laughs> you just change your entire culture? Mm. Like, what if you just, just do stopped, nothing? Just you, do nothing. You know, just like don't do the thing you've done for a hundred years. Uh-huh. What if we don't do that? And yeah. then that'll fix yeah. it, right? <laughs> yes. Yep. I'm not considering it. I'm doing it. Oh, Lex that's the other fucking buck wild thing, line. though. That's the oh, other my thing. God. Yeah, can we talk about? Let's Does talk. Does Clark about this. have a goddamn? Is is Clark a fucking witch? Does she have this woman under a fucking spell? My note is Lexa is pussy whip. <laughs> that is fucking it. I think I wrote that same thing in here. I'm like, man, Lexa is so fucking simping. Like she is simping for Clark so hard <laughs> that she is willing. To betray her entire people. Because and Indra's Indra, like, they're not going to support dude, you if you dude, do this, friend. Dude, Indra is looking at Lexa like, bitch, you lost your damn mind. <laughs> like, there, I cannot believe this shit is coming out of your mouth. It's, and Clark, I mean, she's trying to appeal to her better nature. Like, this is how you stop another war from happening. Like, aren't you tired of, like, aren't you tired of blood must have blood? Like, I realize that's it's the entire so commander slogan. It just feels like there's a crisis of faith for whoever the commander leader is every couple months, I'm assuming, <laughs> because she literally just had to defend and take back her title yeah. 
30 TV minutes ago, right. probably. Yeah, that's right. Right? Yes, yes, yes. Or yes. I guess like 50, whatever it is. So just, man, I cannot believe that in, like everyone's going to question her leadership again. It's like, what was the point of the conclave mm-hmm. or the, uh, yes. the one-on-one with Rowan? It's just, I don't yeah, know. Yeah, like you're, you're going to throw all that away. Like you just earned back the respect of all of your people and the other clans and everything. And it's just like, it's, it's so like no reasonable person, no reasonable grounder would ever get on board yeah it's really it really comes down to the fact that like and what's what's hard about this is that clark is like okay if we zoom out and we looked at it philosophically clark is probably right like like the only way to stop the circle of the cycle of violence is for someone at some point to stop right philosophically she is correct yeah and that's still like a huge leap of faith right because there's nothing that really prevents your uh enemy from following suit with you right so it's really a really a big it's an impractical move it's why human beings have never done it you know (laughs) (laughs) and sadly yes like but yeah but like just looking at it from like the context of the world and the history and the lore that we understand and i have criticized lexa a lot on this show where I was like, she's supposed to be this very brilliant commander. She's supposed to be doing all these things. This is like a very stark display of not thinking it through. Like she doesn't even, we don't even get like a commercial break, like a cliffhanger. Like maybe, maybe blood must not have blood. No, she just goes, yeah, we're just going to do it. Fuck it. Like it's very weird character wise to make that choice in my opinion, which I mean, I think, I think it's, it's weird in the sense more more in the sense of what how she was at the beginning of this very episode when she sees all the dead grounders Indra tells her what happened and she tells Clark like yeah you're my prisoner now like you're immediately my prisoner I'm not going to stand for this we're going to burn Arcadia to the ground this is absolutely unacceptable like the lengths that Lex <laughs> the Lexa <laughs> the lengths <laughs> that Lex I can't even say it, guys. Oh, my God. You got it. (laughs) The lengths that Lexa went to. I don't even know grammatically if that's correct. I tried so hard and it's a bad sentence. What am I doing? (laughs) It was alliteration, though. You're killing it. Lengths, Lexa. Thank you. The point is, she did a lot of shit to to get us where we are now, right? That's Mm -hmm. that's the point. She's made a lot of sacrifices. She's worked really hard, had to consider these alliances that all of her advisors were being like, yo, probably not a great idea. And it actually did end up working out for her. Like, you know, we got to this place where it's in her favor. And so for her reaction to be like, yeah, no, like I did all this shit for you and you killed this army that was sent to protect you. That is so beyond fucked. Mm-hmm. This shit is over. Like I'm not I'm not mm-hmm. bending over backwards anymore. I'm not doing this. Clearly this was a mistake. Yeah, Clark, I love you, but like your people suck. Like your people suck so bad. Right. And <laughs> and so right. so for that conversation to have happened earlier in the episode and now it's just like all Clark has to say is just blood must not have blood. Just blood let must it go, not dude. have blood. Like just fucking <laughs> no point yeah. from Lexa. Yeah, Nothing. it's weird. It, the only thing that makes sense is what Kathleen said. Yeah, is, that's the only <laughs> thing that makes sense. That's the only thing that that, that tracks on it. <laughs> Thank you. The whip sound effect really makes it right <laughs> perfect. So we have a we have a decree. Blood must not have blood, and that and then and now we know we come to the end of the episode because cue the knockoff Ellie Goulding music. Yeah. You know that's Sad that's music. the that's the sign we're at the end here. Um, no we've got one Raven. knows what it's like <laughs> to, to be, be the Raven. Set Raven. <laughs> 
to be sad in the rain when no one can see me cry. Like that is why she's walking around in the rain, right? Because she's crying. It's raining. No one can see me cry in the rain. That's can we talk about one thing though? Like the <laughs> yes. aesthetic of Arcadia at night in the rain is fucking dope. Like that whole like like post apocalyptic yes. grunge look. Mm-hmm. I, I'm here for. It. I love Cyberpunk. the aesthetic of it. Yeah, it's very yeah. And so she's crying in the rain. It's very sad. Um, and, but she does decide in this moment to join the cookie cult and mm-hmm. take the chip. And um, she does. And as she's, this is actually kind of cool the way that it was shot. Because I was, was going like, to say, this is actually an incredibly cool scene. Like we're, yeah, we're joking very, we're, about, we're it, joking but about <laughs> it, but it's very cool. <laughs> it's, it's rad. It's all in slow motion. The music is building, building, building. And it's great too. I love how Lindsay Morgan acted this too, because she takes the cookie, but, and like, she doesn't have it fixed right away. Like she kind right. of waits just to see. And she's like, ah, oh, fuck this. Like, who was I thinking? This, I'm, I'm being stupid. And as she's walking back in slow-mo, it's like her leg. You can tell that she's like, the pain is leaving her body. She's limping less. Yeah. And I mean, like that shit works fucking fast though. Like if we're talking about like, <laughs> I don't even know how this whole thing works. I mean, they put it, they swallow it. And I guess it doesn't go to your stomach for some reason. Um, it doesn't get processed by your general bodily functions. Cause like <laughs> that communion hits different. Yeah, for yes. sure. For sure. That's, that's how, that's how it is. Um, and right. And the big climax of course is just as she finally realizes she's no longer in pain. She looks up and who does she see? Bada boom, bada bing. There's Allie. There she Mom's is. Spaghetti. Yeah. Mom's the spaghetti. absolute <laughs> ripple effect from this scene uh, right. and how it affects the rest of the season. Like this is the most important scene to me, I think for oh, the entire episode yeah. and how it plays out domino effect wise. But Jesus Raven, come on. I fucking oh, yeah. so upsetting. <laughs> and like I was saying, I mean, I said that she's underutilized, but this her taking that chip gives Lindsay Morgan some incredible scenes. Mm-hmm. With, 100%. Like, I, I won't say them, but you know, you know what they are. Yes. Yeah. Anyone yeah. who watch, you, you know can come back are. and talk about them if you want. <laughs> yeah. More than welcome. So good. Yeah. She's she's really incredible. That's why we want more for her. Yeah, and it's great too because then that's and this is where we get the nice cliffhanger of Allie. She sees Allie, never seen Allie before in her life. I can't imagine right. what was going through her mind when she was looking at this red dressed woman. <laughs> um, and Allie says, "Time to get back to work." So good. Like. <gasps> Such a good what line. What are we doing? What's happening? It's good. And so, yeah, that brings the, uh, that's the end of the episode. And that brings us to the end of our episode. So Woo. I want to say, hey, thank you guys for being a part of this yes. journey. This Hopefully was amazing. Fun. Thank you so much for having us on. <laughs> yeah, this was absolutely incredibly fun. Oh, thank good. you guys I'm, so I'm much. I'm glad you guys had fun. This was, this was honestly a delight. I'm so glad you guys wanted to come on the show. My biggest regret is that we had no Monty, no Jasper. Oh, yeah. We didn't get to use Geralt or Titus. So we didn't use yeah, that. Right. <laughs> well, Man. you guys will have to come back. That's the only that's the only way we can remedy this. Yes. Love it. 100%. And, but yeah, please check out Bingetown TV's podcast. Uh, they're currently going under, over WandaVision, which is great. And also The Magicians, right? You guys are both doing those right now at the time. Do you guys have anything mm-hmm. else that you'd like to plug while we have this pluggable section at the end here? Uh, yeah. So, you know, we also covered the final season of the hundred. So we actually had a chance to sit down with some of the actors that were on the show. So if you're interested in talking in, in hearing our interview with Dr. Jackson, who is Sachin Sahil, um, another actor, Jason Diaz, who plays a character introduced later down the line. We talked to him a little bit. That's awesome. Uh, who, who else, Kathleen? I'm missing one more. Um, we did Shelby, who plays Hope. We did Sarah, who plays Josephine. That's um, so cool. Characters down the line, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. 
They're the best. God, yeah. I fucking love this cast. <laughs> <laughs> I, I fell Seriously. in love with everyone we talked to. I was like, Can we hang out? Can we be best friends now? Yeah. <laughs> you guys are Ohio. We're Pennsylvania. We're right there. Yeah. We can, we can, yeah it's a couple hours. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Go follow Ben Show. You guys have Instagram too, right? Like, um, yeah, yep. Instagram, TV, Twitter, everything. everything. All of it. There you Rad. go. Go find them. They're great. Thanks, the guys. show's great. And uh, it's worth your time because it's hilarious. You guys were so, so kind of giving us some kudos about our previous episode. I was listening to your guys' stuff. Really great analysis, analyses, I guess is the word. And just like the way that you guys talk about the show, you break it down. Um, I don't know. It's really like thorough, but you still are having a great time. It's really fun to listen to. Thanks. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. And remember, if you're going to show up at the gates of Arcadia and point your gun and murder a grounder man for no reason other than he wanted his sweet backpack back. Sean, you can go. You can go for yourself. yourself. <laughs> <laughs> So that'll do it for us, guys. Special thank you again to the Go Float Yourself podcast and for allowing us to find another excuse to talk about the 100. Please follow them on Instagram and give them a listen on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. We hope to be on a future episode of their deep dives as they continue to work through one of our favorite series ever, and we might even have them join in on one of our future one-off The 100 episodes. We'll keep you guys updated on any future collabs coming soon. As always, if you like what you heard, give Binchdown TV a follow on Twitter and Instagram. Visit us on BingetownTV.com and subscribe to our show on Spotify, the Apple Podcasts, or wherever you may find your podcast. Once again, we are Binchtown TV, and thanks for listening. You're listening to the Geekscape Network.